This recording begins with a reading of the Gospel of the Day. That will be followed by the homily from Father Paul O'Brien. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of land that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, tired from his journey, sat down there at the well. It was about noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how can you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? For Jews use nothing in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you do not even have a bucket and the cistern is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this cistern and drank from it himself with his children and his flocks? Jesus answered and said to her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I shall give will never thirst. The water I shall give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I may not be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come back. The woman answered him and said, I do not have a husband. Jesus answered her, you are right in saying I do not have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you people say the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, believe me, woman, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You people worship what you do not understand. We worship what we understand because salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And indeed, the Father seeks such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, the one called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us everything. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one speaking with you. At that moment, his disciples returned and were amazed that he was talking with a woman. But still no one said, what are you looking for or why are you talking with her? The woman left her water jar and went into the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I have done. Could he possibly be the Christ? They went out of the town and came to him. Meanwhile, the disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. So the disciples said to one another, could someone have brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say in four months the harvest will be here? I tell you, look up and see the fields ripe for the harvest. The reaper is already receiving payment and gathering crops for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper can rejoice together. For here the saying is verified that one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the work, and you are sharing the fruits of their work. Many of the Samaritans of that town began to believe in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he has told me everything I have done. 
When the Samaritans came to him, they invited him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more began to believe in him because of his word, and they said to the woman, We no longer believe because of your word, for we have heard from ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. The Gospel of the Lord. We, this begins the third week of Lent. Lent is the six-plus-week period of spiritual preparation for the holiest days of the year, beginning on Holy Thursday, going through Holy Saturday, and then the Easter season. During that time, as we have discussed repeatedly, God will once again offer this world somehow, for some of you fully, the first time at the depths of your souls, the full power of Jesus' salvation, and for the rest of us who have already been baptized, somehow the renewal of that salvation. Minimally, we should expect, if we prepare for those holy days and actually live them, that God will give us real insights, deeper insights into who Jesus really is, what the depth of his sacrificial love is, and therefore who we're meant to grow into being. The agenda for Lent, spiritually every day, is repent, be more serious about my sin and turn away from it, and be more faithful to the gospel of Jesus. The goal one day at a time, which many of you are doing, is to particularly be focused on prayer. The best guide is the gospel reading, I believe, day by day at Mass in the church. It's all available to you to take home, and hopefully you're following some prayer guide with that. Read the gospel reading, reflect on it, whatever guide you're using, follow it. You will be actively living Lent. There's a prayer guide, a chunky one in the bulletin that you can take home. It's accessible to everybody. If you have been actively living Lent, I believe that you will find today's gospel passage, once again, inspiring and encouraging. If you have not actively been living Lent, I'm really glad that you're here. I hope you will pay attention to the woman in this passage, and I hope when you look at the reality of who she is, and what Jesus does in her life, that you will actively live Lent beginning this week. Your life, your choice. Gospel reading today is from the fourth chapter of John. The woman in this passage, I believe you will all agree, is uniquely important in the scripture. This is the one account of Jesus' encounter with her. There is nobody else exactly like her in the entire New Testament. At the beginning of the encounter, once again, it's clear Jesus is the one and only initiator of this encounter. Not only does the woman not, want, not do this, she doesn't even want this. Jesus initiates the encounter. Let me back up. This is the real Jesus. This is a real woman. This really happens 2,000 years ago. If you just pay attention to how Jesus acts with her, it's the same Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit who acts with us. If you have been living Lent, I think you're gonna get this. If you have not yet, this is how he wants to work in us. So, beginning of the encounter, Jesus asks the woman for, oh wait, 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 back. Who is the woman? She's a Samaritan. The Samaritans, I think you probably know, are geographical neighbors of the Jewish people who are quite separate from them in terms of faith. Jewish people at Jesus' time consider Samaritans to be people who have for a long time watered down God's truth. 
They're considered unholy people. They're considered people who have rejected the true God. Therefore, a Jewish person would not even touch a Samaritan because a Samaritan in that time is considered unholy and then polluting spiritually of a holy person. A Jewish person would never eat the same, with the same utensils or drink with the same utensils as a Samaritan. She's a woman at Jesus' time, in Jesus' place. A woman is considered subservient, not just subservient, the property of men. It's a long time ago. She is a gravely sinful person. That becomes clear in the passage. A gravely sinful person. It's quite possible that she is alienated from her own people because of her sinfulness. She goes at noontime to draw water from the well. For any of you who have either grown up or spent time in countries where you have to go get the water, the last time you do it is at noon. You go at the beginning of the day or at the end of the day when the sun is not bright. Also, typically, gathering water is a social activity. So she's by herself in the middle of the day. Jesus asks her for something, a drink of water. For her to respond would require some effort. It's not huge, but some effort on her part. And in his first conversation with her, Jesus challenges her. She has a lot of negative attitude. She has no desire to comply with what Jesus asks. She won't even give him a, a drink of water. She has no interest in complying, and she does not comply. This is who she is. Those are negative qualities. She has lots of negative qualities. Jesus loves her. Jesus wants her. He accepts her with all of her negative qualities because he wants her. Jesus doesn't criticize her. Jesus doesn't make any comments about, well, that's a lot of attitude. He doesn't make any comments about her. He obviously doesn't run away from her because he wants her. How she responds is how she responds. That's who she is at this time. And obviously, Jesus doesn't apologize. Just because she doesn't have any interest in him and is nasty to him, kind of nasty, he doesn't run away and say, okay, I withdraw the request. Jesus loves her and he wants her. Jesus continues to speak to her. Maybe just the fact that he doesn't run away from her or get pushed away by her pushing, she shows some increased respect. She calls him a Jew at the beginning, then she calls him sir. Maybe a little bit of respect is growing for Jesus, a stranger. She engages in the conversation with Jesus to the point that she asks him for something she asks him, he's talking about living water. She thinks there's some source of water that's not going to run out. And she says, give me this water so I don't have to keep coming here to gather water. She asks a question. She's engaged. She who was pushing him away is now engaged. Jesus, as soon as she's engaged, brings up her inner life. He asks her, about her husband. She is not, for every understandable reason, at all honest about who she is. She dissembles or lies to Jesus. I don't have a husband. Right. You've had five husbands. Ugh. You've had five husbands, and the man you're with now is not your husband. What you've said is true. 
you don't have a husband. This woman is a grave sinner. That is not a little bit of sin. That is not just like a little this or that. She's had five husbands, and she's with a man who is not her husband. Jesus wants her sin to come out in the open between them. There's nobody else here. It's just between Jesus and her. Her sin alienates her from God. Her sin alienates her, not because of what other people think. It breaks down her relationship with other people. Her sin attacks her integrity as the person God creates her to be. Jesus wants her sin out in the open between the two of them because he's come to free her from it. He doesn't want her to suffer with the sinful choices she has made and she's making. He lifts up her sin because he wants her. She gets it clearly on a soul level. She says to Jesus, I can see you're a prophet. A prophet isn't, number one, someone who speaks about the future. A prophet is someone who speaks God's truth now. What she, he is saying about her sin is God's truth, and she gets it. You're a prophet. And then she starts talking about some stuff she knows about God. Jewish people worship in Jerusalem. Samaritans worship here at Mount Gerizim, where they are. She just affirms something she knows about God. She has made this slight turn to Jesus, connecting directly, affirming he's of God, and offering something she knows of God. And the result is, he tells her more truth than she can possibly grasp. I mean, you just heard it in the reading. I hope you say, I've got to go reread that because I don't get it all of a sudden. She can literally hear his words and understand the words. She can't possibly understand the depth of the truth he's giving her. He so loves her. He doesn't give her a little truth. He gives her more truth than at the moment she can possibly handle. And at the end of it, clearly God's spirit is working in her. She says something else she knows. A Messiah is coming. He will tell us everything. Be sure you get this. Be sure you get this. Jesus Christ then says to her what he says in the same way to no one else in the scripture. He says it in different ways always exceedingly rarely. He says to this specific woman, I am he, the one you're speaking with. I am the Messiah. He tells this woman of all people, of the thousands and thousands and thousands of people whom he encounters, this woman, he tells her directly, I am the Messiah. That this is real, to me, is reflected in the details that follow. She is not magically turned into anything through this encounter. She's profoundly affected. She hasn't become a disciple of Jesus. She's profoundly affected. She goes and she says to people, hey, she's connecting with people from whom she may be alienated. Doesn't seem to be so important anymore. Come and see this person who has told me everything about me. He hasn't told her everything about her. 
she, it's not that she's exaggerating. She feels by his lifting up the depth of her sin, that's the entirety of who she is. She says, can he possibly be the Messiah? In Greek, the sense of that is entirely unlikely, but maybe a little hope. She doesn't think he's the Messiah, but maybe he could be the Messiah. She is so moved by the Spirit that she's already doing what Jesus tells his disciples to do after he rises from the dead. She's going to other people and telling them about Jesus. As a result of this, people go to Jesus, they ask him to stay, he stays for two days, and more people begin to believe, not just maybe, he's the savior of the world. This woman, way before his death and resurrection, is already so impacted by God through Jesus that she's doing what people ultimately, you and I, are told to do by Jesus. That is the single longest conversation that Jesus Christ has with anyone in the entire New Testament. Think about that. How important is she? Not a single other human being in the New Testament is recorded as having a longer conversation recorded with Jesus. She is so important, a sinful person a gravely sinful foreigner who may be rejected by her own people, who has a hugely negative attitude, who has no interest in Jesus, who does not want to comply with Jesus, who meets the real Jesus, who is the Messiah and is the Savior of the world. So to conclude, if you've been actively living Lent, I hope you get this, if you've been actively living Lent, He's been doing the same realities in us just in the past three weeks. He's been go through this today when you go home. Each of those basic interventions he's done with any of you who has already actively been living Lent. You are that woman. If you have not been actively living Lent, you are meant to be that woman. You have been listening to Father Paul O'Brien, pastor of St. Patrick Parish in Lawrence, Massachusetts. For more information about the parish and to get involved, please go to stpatrickparish.com or follow us on social media. Thank you for listening.